Hey, what's up, tribe? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the TFC Audio Project Down Under. This week, I chat with Matt Heaviside, who is a physiotherapist and the owner of PhysioSmart in Adelaide, which is where we held our workshop and seminar over the weekend. Throughout the conversation, we talk about Matt's journey with physiotherapy and his transition to a movement-focused approach, the concept of regional interdependence in the body, the power of play in rehab and life, and the importance of cultural shifts for individual and global health. This week's episode is once again brought to you by TFC Events. We have finished the first two legs of our first ever ground up seminar and we have just one weekend to go. We're off to Perth for another workshop and seminar this coming weekend. The workshop is sold out, the feet balance and play workshop, but there are still some tickets available to the ground up seminar on Saturday, June 12. We have had a few people asking as well who couldn't make it to the events that we've held in Hobart, Adelaide or the one that we're about to hold in Perth. Uh, We will be back in those cities early next year, but if you live in Queensland, Victoria, or New South Wales, COVID permitting, our plan is to come and visit you guys again very soon to give you that full day, full body experience with the Ground Up Seminar. Head to our website, tfc-shopaus.com, and click on the Tribe link to sign up for our newsletter to be the first to find out when those dates drop. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast, mate. Thanks for having me. No, exciting, exciting to be here. Yeah, so we're sitting here in Adelaide, thanks to you and, and Talia, um, and we had the workshop and the seminar over the weekend at your awesome, fresh new space, yes. the, the Motum Movement, um, which was really good, and yeah, really appreciate you having us along and coming along as well to the workshop, and yeah. Talia came to the seminar too, so and, uh, and some of the team, so... Yeah, it was great. Honestly, we've been like really excited to yeah have you guys here, and I guess even being so far away from you, we we definitely share common ground. So yeah. to come together and just move and have fun um, and learn was just brilliant. It's, and for our community, it was it was awesome. It was really good fun. Yeah, it's the best part of of it all. I reckon is being able to travel around and connect because we've obviously been connected on socials for the. I guess for, uh, we've been sort of uh, past year and a bit at least. Yeah, um, I reckon. As from what I can recall. And um, obviously see a lot of what you guys do with, mm. you know, you get out the beam a lot with clients and for yourself. Um, and also obviously a big movement focus, which um, like always stands out to me with physio practices. If they mm. do have such a big focus on movement, um, it, it shouldn't be as uncommon as it is. Obviously it's becoming more common, but I think you guys really stand out at least from what i can see on socials of how much you promote the movement side of things um which is a big reason why i wanted to connect with you guys yeah definitely it's i mean i would say it is our absolute point of difference is that we Mm. have a movement focus with physiotherapy uh and you know if we can look at uh different ways to improve people's movement and function as well as their pain and injury we just want to blend those two together yeah absolutely which is it's the ultimate blend isn't it yeah and it, and it is it is weird that it's a point of difference um <laughs> oh, i know it is when exactly and, and hopefully that's not going to be the case in the future but for now um yeah it is it is different yeah. Yeah. Uh, and what we are doing is certainly you know different i guess compared to the common clinic across South Australia at least. Yeah, um, Yeah, sure. it's quite different. And so that's usually where I like to start with um, guests is just getting a bit about, you know, just themselves and a bit about, 
you know, what you do or what you're doing and why you're doing it. Mm. Um, so, you know, you could go personal or with PhysioSmart or a little bit of both, um, mm. you know, life story or <laughs> yeah. however deep you want to go. But Well, uh, yeah, so I've been a physio for uh, 12, 12 years, I reckon it is now. Yeah, right. and, and I, just like every physio coming into um, the profession, you, you kind of look for your mentors and you look for people that you really look up to. And in your mind, you've, you've got, oh, where, where do I want to be or what type of physio do I want to be? Mm. And I know for a lot of young physios and for me personally, it was idolizing uh, high-level sport physiotherapists, thinking that if you're working with the elite, then you must be the the best of the best. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so I came across a book by a chiropractor, uh, actually, who worked across the road from us, and he was a really good guy. And he introduced us to a book called Movement, written mm-hmm. by Gray Cook. Mm-hmm. And he he was at the time he was working with some of the um you know uh, the best of the best with nba uh players and groups and english premier league uh and nh nhl nfl and i looked at it and I, and he ended up being someone who I, I i guess i looked up to and after reading his content and his material i traveled over to america and did the courses that were run by functional movement called Selective Functional Movement Assessment, SFMA, Level 1, Level 2. And I had a month over there and that was when I guess the penny dropped for me that maybe I need to start thinking a little bit differently. Um, yeah. And this is when you were practicing as well already? I'd been practicing already for Just a couple like of a, years. A more traditional kind of clinic? Yeah, it was. It was a, it was a private practice yeah. um, and I was doing a bit of uh, aged care work. And then I was doing a bit more than half of the day uh, working in the private practice, just seeing, seeing clients. And it was definitely an age population. I was seeing oh, mainly, right. yeah. mainly, you know, people aged above 60 years old with, with knee pain, hip pain, back pain, neck pain. Yeah. And was it your classic kind of rub down and heat and, you know, some, some little exercises? or is Definitely. That, yeah. we, we had um, ultrasound machines oh, going right. all the yeah. time. I mean, I used to have an interferential machine True. just set up like in my room. <laughs> we were using traction uh, for people with back pain and neck pain. Yeah. I knew all the parameters and and yeah how to go about it so yeah that's the way it it was I guess looking back now the boss that I had was he he was a great boss he he was someone who was always open to thinking differently Mm -hmm. and always open to a new approach Um, so having him uh, really welcome different ideas uh, and different approaches was really healthy as yeah. well. Okay, yeah, but, that's good. Yeah, so got, it wasn't, wasn't completely stuck in the ways of... But it's, No. I guess that's just how physio clinics really were. It was so... That is so... Mm. Well, it still kind of is normal, but less so. But especially back then, I remember... So 12 years ago, I guess when you were first starting out, I would have been in grade 10 or something like that mm. in high school. And that was about the time I started getting... I think it was grade 11, I had a bunch of ankle sprains and mm. started getting physio treatments and yeah, a lot of taping, interferential, rub downs, heat, mm-hmm. um, things like that. And it was just, especially back then, I think it was just super common to have a very passive approach mm. to, to treatment. Definitely. And then, so you were in that for a year or two and then you, you sort of, the penny dropped with that more active approach and that movement, movement yeah. based approach, hey? Yeah. And look, just while I think of it, I, I just was thinking about when you were talking I remember looking at an ankle sprain and the outcome measures I had were if they could 
balance pretty good on a wobble board and tilt in a, the directions. Um, and they could use a TheraBand to stretch the ankle in different ways. I'd give them a big tick. And <laughs> yeah, you'd be right. you're like, you know, well done. Your ankle is good to go. Uh, you've done really great. And I guess thinking about that now that it's, yeah, there's a very different, I think, measure and options that we have for, for people. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I went away, had a lot of time to reflect as well while I was away. And I, I guess the, the biggest thing that challenged me was regional interdependence, which mm. was just the simple concept of how one part of the body can affect another part of the body. And for me, it was just nothing that we didn't really learn that properly in uni. Mm. And I, for me, that was just a groundbreaking uh, realization of me thinking differently. And um, I went back to the clinic and... I just said, I'm going to commit to assessing people holistically from head to toe, even if they came in with elbow pain, I'm going to look at their neck, their back and their hips, and I'm going to assess them head to toe. Yeah. And I made that commitment. I stuck with it for probably, you know, at least a couple of years. Um, and from that approach, I just found instead of treating someone's elbow with elbow pain, I was most of the time treating their shoulder scapula or their middle back and i was really moving away from the painful site and way more focusing on an area that was just not moving the way that it was designed to Mm -hmm. Um, and i just started in my head thinking rather than just working on stopping the pain if i can work on someone's overall movement ability or capacity or function in their body uh, of the weakest link then I just noticed people started getting better Mm -hmm. irrespective of what problem they had. Yeah. And did you, I'm hearing a lot of like similarities, I think between yours and my journey with Mm -hmm. physio. Um, At that point, were you treating solely with movement or was it manual therapy? So say you Mm -hmm. you figured out someone had elbow pain and um, maybe a more primary contributing factor is their thoracic spine or shoulder, um, you know, scapular um, mechanics and things like that. Were you treating primarily with movement then or mm-hmm. a bit of both or primarily manual therapy? I would, I would juggle between, yeah. between both. And look, don't get me wrong, I definitely have used and still use my manual therapy techniques, but I guess the area of where I would use them would be different. Yeah. So I've yeah, definitely went through a transition of still using my hands, but then still using a movement focus. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started using essentially the corrective exercise tools that I got from other courses or FMS, FMS level two, um, started using, you know, TheraBands to try to correct and change movement. But yeah, that's still, that was hard to do really, really hard because in my brain I had like ingrained that I have to use my hands in order to change movement. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting, it's an interesting one. Hey, cause we were talking the other day about my first job out of uni was mm. um, very manual therapy focused, but also <clears throat> I think also ahead of its time, um, like the guy who created the, the method, mm. uh, Michael Ridgway. I think he was quite ahead of his time in terms of his understanding of how manual therapy works. Like mm. back, like back then, and for the longest time, the narrative has been that you're changing structure. Um, you know, you're like loosening muscles and you know loosening joints and things like that. But he was talking about it uh, from that neurophysiological point of view, where you're influencing um, like 
modulating the nervous system to be less protective. And he, yeah. he really came from it from that regional inter- interdependence point of view of like, you might have neck pain, but treating your calf might be the best thing for that neck pain. We mm-hmm. don't know. We, mm-hmm. We've got to do like the full head to toe assessment. And he, you know, he obviously created a whole method around it, um, which I think, you know, with all of his skills was um, a, a fairly complete method. We did have ended up having some disagreements, I suppose, about the narrative of um, mm. how it was delivered, I think. But that concept of, yeah, everything in the body is connected. That's what really hit home with me when I, because I first graduated physio and I was like, I don't know if I want to be a physio. I yeah, was yeah. Like, I'm not really sure what I'm doing here. I think by that time I'd already been reading some Kelly Starrett and mm-hmm. things like that, that I was like, I think strength and conditioning is like possibly more important and more powerful than just physio. Um, but I'd done this physio degree and I was like, you know, I kind of want to do yeah. something with it. And so, um, you know, I heard about what they were doing at this clinic and I was like, this sounds different. Like it's not mm-hmm. just treating an area cause the area is sore. It's actually looking at the body more holistically. And so I really, really connected with that. And then, um, eventually just got so fell so in love with movement and all of these mm-hmm. concepts from Katie Bowman and Todd Hargrove and all of these, uh, and Kelly Starrett and, mm-hmm. um, through my own experience with movement as well, I was like, I just, I just don't want to do so much manual therapy. I want to more treat people with movement, but have found since, I mean, this is something we could get into is mm. that whole, um, that whole argument or debate about like, you shouldn't use manual therapy at all. Like the Adam Meekins, you know, mm. never use, never use manual therapy. Yeah. And other people, you know, who are more in the cl- in the camp of like, I can fix people with my hands, you yeah. know, it's so powerful, but there's, well, there's two, I feel there's like there's got to be a happy medium yeah, between the two. I think you've said it well, because obviously in your environment, you, you were placed in, okay, let's only do manual therapy. Well, it, it, well I, I shouldn't, I don't want to misrepresent because it, they, it was more manual, much more manual therapy focused. Focus. Like we started yeah. that with that, we'd generally start with manual therapy because that, mm. I guess, can give you some very quick results. Yeah. Um, but they did, you know, they, it's not that they completely ignored movement mm. or posture and things like that, but it, um, it was more focused, I suppose, yeah. yeah. I think, well, firstly, I think uh, Kelly Starrett, he was very similar to, yeah. to me. He was, he was someone that I, I just got obsessed with looking at all of his mm. videos on YouTube. Uh, loved his self-corrective techniques with like the hips um, and, and different body parts. So he was a big uh, influencer, two of mine. Uh, and Ido Portal is another yeah, one yeah. who just, yeah, <laughs> an amazing philosophy on movement. Uh, but look, I, I think through my journey, I still use manual techniques. And I, I, went, over to, um, I went over to Thailand and learned, uh, did a uh, three to three or four week manipulation course, which for me was a little bit different. Learning osteopathic manipulation techniques, uh, foot uh, and ankle manipulation techniques, and uh, I found from that two things: one, that there is no chance that that alone is the be all and end all. Which, unfortunately, from the teachings that I had, was their belief was that that is the be all and end all. Mm. We 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 can help align the body uh, mm. and correct the body using these techniques. Um, and outside of that, you know, we we don't need too much else. Uh, so that gave me a lot of perspective on. Uh, I believe the the majority of what we need is movement based, with some manual uh, techniques to 
only help fast track that, but mm. not for that to be a continuing process or for that to be at the core of what we need for our health. And I, I, the way I like to think about it is a good example that I've come across with some patients is that when looking at them holistically, we find, say, a foot and an ankle mobility issue can be so common. And let's say you're going out for a trail run and you might slip on a rock and you might twist your foot in a funny way. Uh, And that twisting or that little movement that you did created pain and it also created some dysfunction or some slight impingement of certain areas in around the foot and the ankle. If we can, through a single technique or a couple of movements of mobilization through those joints and bones help restore and create movement back where it was previously lost i feel that that's got a lot of value and the way and our approach is that we believe and i certainly believe that it's great to have movement first and then work on movement uh, balance stability strength control but if we don't have the movement first, then it, then it can be very difficult in or for us to improve our balance, improve our strength, improve our function. So if we can create an environment, again, let's use the ankle. If we can in, create an environment with mobilization, with our hands, with some tissue work that just allows the ankle a free range of motion or movement, I love that, but it needs to then immediately be backed up with proprioceptive balance, control mm-hmm. work, strength work mm-hmm. uh, in, or, in order for us to keep that. Because if we don't have that, then we're going to go back to, to what we, you know, the, the dysfunction we, we had before potentially. Yeah, it's just that short, more that short term result basically. Of, yeah. Yes, you can. And I think that's, that's the really big key um, is just the narrative around what you're using that manual therapy for. So, Mm. you know, traditionally, like we talked about, there has been a narrative in in a lot of different um, modalities, including physio, chiro, osteo, is that we fix things with our hands. If Mm. you've got a sore spot, we can fix that with our hands. Um, Whereas you might use the exact same technique um, and, you know, maybe... I guess for similar reasons to improve, you know, sliding surfaces in the joint or, you know, Mm. whatever, um, or have a more neurophysiological approach, but with the narrative of we're only doing this so that you can do these movements better, which are the actual sort of quote unquote fix. Yeah, correct. And I guess interestingly as well, something that I, from reading a lot more Katie Bowman and um, understanding Mm. more about natural movement, I suppose, is that you'd need an extra layer on top of that by saying it's not just about you know uh, restoring mobility with manual therapy. It's mm. not even just about then moving with balance and strength and mobility exercises. Mm. It's also about changing your lifestyle and your environment so that mm. you don't end up with that same uh, issue again. So say someone's coming big, in, they've got poor time. ankle mobility. Mm-hmm but they're wearing, say, high heels or dress shoes every day or even modern athletic shoes with a heel, with a, um, you know, an elevated mm. pitched heel and cushioning and all of these things and just something that's rigid that's stopping their foot and ankle from moving where it naturally would be. You could do 
a bunch of manual therapy on their ankle and mm. then follow that up with balance and proprioceptive and mobility exercises. Mm. But then if they just return to that other environment that's causing the issue, mm. you're just going to be taking... Generally, they're just going to come back with the same issue or some other issue that's um, manifested in a different way in their body. Well, well said. And, and I think at the clinic, that is what, that is what the primary problem is in our with our health at the moment yeah you know people are going to sit on chairs for seven hours a day uh and yeah there is just a, a complete lack of awareness of how much movement our body should be exposed to mm. and, and therefore we so commonly see a similar pattern or a similar problem occurring for people and this thought of you know, this thought of using practitioners to counterbalance that imbalance. So I need to perhaps go get a massage or tissue release or have my body manipulated because I'm spending seven hours a day, you know, at an office. And, and I think it's hard because what's the alternative for some people if they don't do that yeah. and they're not willing to change their lifestyle or if their work and family's so busy they can't do that, then, you know, it draws this gray area of, well, I'm assisting them but for where they're at in life, maybe that's as much as I can give them for now. Mm. And I know that's a hard thing sometimes at the clinic for us to swallow. And sometimes our most difficult patients are the ones that uh, cannot commit to that lifestyle change or environmental change. That we, we, It's hard to get progress um, for, for them. For sure. Yeah, it is, it's an interesting thing because you do have to meet people where they're at you can't just give them an ultimatum of like well we're not going to keep seeing you unless you do these changes Mm. because then they'll probably just go find someone else who will keep seeing them Mm -hmm. and it's probably better for them to be you know plant for you to be planting Planting seeds and you know um Mm -hmm. still helping them out and and each time someone comes in it is an opportunity to have a conversation about Mm. you know i was saying i can't i was talking to mick one of the foot nerds who's a myotherapist and Mm. And yes, you might be spending time on a table doing manual therapy, but as long as you're also, you know, showing them some movement and also having conversations about their greater lifestyle and their Mm. habits and things like that, then even if they don't change everything at once or even if they they don't change anything it's yeah it's still planting those seeds that eventually may be maybe growing into little saplings absolutely spot on a good example is that you know there's there's a couple of people that i would see quite regularly and i think the the probably the biggest benefit of them coming to see me is being motivated to move afterwards yeah okay so then they're like they'll come back and i'll say you know how much have you done how much movement have you done and you know that most of the time that might be based on walking or hiking or swimming yeah and if they will just straight away tell me, nah, it's been a crap fortnight or it's been a really bad month and it's like, what what can we do to change it? Like, let's, I want you to measure your steps and come back and just, just map them out and tell mm. me how far you've moved or how much you've, you've walked. And I think having a health practitioner or a health body that, uh, you know, helps create a measure for movement or, or encouraging and facilitating that even when they're down in the dumps uh, yeah. yeah, I think it's really important. And having that focus on movement and function more so rather than pain, like I think mm-hmm. traditionally a lot of clinics, you know, of all modalities um, and just the medical system in general is very pain focused. Like mm. what's your pain like? Um, you know, how can we reduce your pain? And that's where all of this this aversion to pain has come in our society. Mm. And, and like you said, it it's not necessarily we can't really say it's the individual's fault because Mm. society is set up to the degree and our culture is set up so that 
you know, shoes that don't allow your foot to move are normal. Sitting in a chair is mm. normal. Um, mm. you know, not moving at much at all and not playing and um, not getting out in nature is very normal. Mm. Um, and so people are sort of fighting uphill unless you have a, a, a massive shift in your paradigm or a massive mm. shift in your consciousness of like, whoa, I need to, I, this is the only priority is my body's health and my movement health. Until Correct. you have that shift, everything else Mm. culture and society is working against you Mm. and it's hard to break out of that i love that and and like purely because i feel that the the way forward to help our next generation in health and like what is a movement focus i guess our outcomes that we're measuring is not just by your pain scale out of 10 but it's your ability to move so like we have um, I guess internally at our practice, we all have these goals of, hey, how fast or how much could you improve, say, thoracic rotation? How well did you go at restoring someone's spinal extension movement pattern? How did you go at restoring someone's lunge quality and movement structure or squat depth? You know, mm. someone who couldn't squat deep to, hey, let's work on improving their squat depth. And for clients to shift the chat, that, that thought of, my pain is an outcome versus my movement is an outcome is massive. Yeah. And I yeah. feel that that's, yeah, we are on, we're, we're all at the moment, yeah, our clinic is on that mission to really have that as the focus. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, yeah, that's massive. And I think another issue, like, like we, like what I was just saying with the cultural issue of, mm. um, you know, that it's so normal you know to be in shoes and chairs and so on and also it's normal to have a focus on pain with the traditional medical model and Mm. traditional healthcare business models and everything is very pain focused um so hence i guess everyone's most people have been conditioned Mm. to think about it like that pain is bad i need Mm. to reduce pain um whereas you can recondition someone or uh, re-educate someone to think about it differently and be Mm. more focused on movement and function but that can really only happen if yourself, like you yourself as the practitioner really believes that and also p- puts that in practice in mm. your own life. Because, I mean, I've found both from a, a confidence and belief point of view um, and also just from a skill set point of view, if the more you work on yourself, the more you and work and play with your own movement, mm. the more you're able to help someone else do that and the more yeah. you believe that it is really the right thing to do. Yeah, I I can think of a story where, and this happens frequently in the clinic, someone would come in with knee pain and after doing a full movement assessment on their body head to toe, you realize they just don't have any spinal mobility or control mm-hmm. or you know or hip let's say hip control but in this case spinal control now you take this person through a journey of okay if you really want your knees to improve long term we've got to get the rest of your body functioning the way it should so you start opening their back and up and you look at you know exploring spinal movements rah 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 and then they come back and say and they said gee I can really feel my back it's like quite uncomfortable um, in and and I haven't felt that before so in that circumstance, you think about it, you've maybe in their mind, you've created more pain in their spine yeah. um, and you know they're dealing with knee, a knee issue. But how you can educate and help someone understand that feeling some discomfort in body parts elsewhere is 
on a journey through movement to get them to where they want to be. Mm. And I think we do that all the time. You know, we find these other other body parts or other areas of the body that that might be painful. So in some sense, we can say we're creating more pain for people by making them go through a journey to explore movement and open up areas mm. um, and restore function in other areas that it's not long-term pain. It's just like, oh, I can feel my back now. I need to improve that. I need to get, I, I need to restore that function uh, so that my hips and my knees can actually just do what they are asked for and not pick up the slack of body parts elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. And it, it really all does come down to education mm. like when, when it comes to that. Because, yeah, some people would be like, I just came to this physio for my knee and he's looking at my back yeah. and he's made my back sore and my knees aren't better. Yeah, so correct. what the hell am I doing here? And if they don't really understand your process and, and what you're doing, then it's yeah. like, I'm just going to go to someone who's actually going to look at my knees. <laughs> correct. And I think through social media, we've gained this, you know, people understand what we're doing. Yeah. And I think the most rewarding part of our whole job is when people come in with knee pain, you improve their function of their spine or their hips and their knee pain completely disappears yeah. and they're killing it both performance-wise and, and, you know, just in general feeling no pain. It's it's like that's probably the most rewarding without having to touch the area um, yeah, that's that, sore. Yeah, that is amazing. Um, that's the best feeling. But, yeah, back back to what you were saying then I um, from, from there, I think... And I know you just spoke about, we were talking about your little journey in Tasmania. You were off like, you know, you went for hikes and you were walking across rocks and then you've taken a dip in some like cold water and balancing on like trees and (laughs) people looking at you like, what is these guys doing? What what is wrong with these guys? And you're essentially playing in nature, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is so strange these days. And, you know, I guess, you know, comparing that to... Um, someone who's strapped up to a machine in a clinic and their machine is a you know a, a sponge cushion board with five adjustable springs on it with a nice little platform stool uh, and these two cables coming off the side which you can use as levers and all of a sudden that's normal yeah. and that is where society has taken our movement to be normalized with very odd contraptions to exercise on but to not really move on yeah it's like you do strap in for a certain exercise and then you change your position and you might change the um you know adjust the resistance the resistance and things like that so that you can now do another exercise and then it's all it's exercise 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 and people don't get me wrong it's it's not we're not having to go at pilates or anything it's you know there's there's a role for exercise and there's a role for, I'm sure there's a role for certain contraptions. And I know a lot of people get benefit from Pilates and some people even just enjoy it so much and look forward to Pilates. So that's great. But it is, it's strange that that is normal and going out and climbing a tree is weird. Correct. And if we said, Hey guys, we're going to do our exercise for this morning and let's go down to the Botanic Gardens and start climbing trees and start rolling on the grass and playing tag or something like that, people are like, are these guys okay? Have they just not exercised? Have they just come from a massive (laughs) night out the night before and just like continued their party? It's like, yeah, it's not, which is awful in the sense that, uh, yeah, I guess our society and our culture is not promoting natural movement, basically. Yeah, 
Uh, it's I think it's slowly getting there, but yeah, still at the moment, I know even us, we took the beam um, you know, down to a park and we're just balancing on it. And there's some of the looks that people will give us are like, what are these guys doing? They're balancing on a piece of metal? Yeah. Like, what? Why? <laughs> what, what, what preposterous reason would this be? Yeah. Are they trying to hurt themselves? Yeah. Are yeah. they, you know... Yeah. And then some people walk past and go, oh, looks like fun. Mm. <laughs> and interestingly, or it's like when Mac and I play hacky sack in the park. We, we had one time where we went to Burley, like a really, uh, really popular park just near the beach. Um, and we're just getting deep on this hacky sack. Like we're getting some <laughs> mad combos going yeah. and, and like long passes and all this stuff. Yeah. And, you know, you, you, you do see the glances like, huh. But then kids just start sitting down and watching, just like, oh, oh. like <laughs> they what? There was a few kids just watching for like twenty minutes before, until awesome. they had to go, and it's like, you know, you're onto a good thing if, if because adults are just so out of touch with that play. Yeah, they're just like, yeah, what they're playing on a beam? What purpose? Mm. Like, what are they getting out of this? Like, yeah, and they they've even lost touch. Not not everyone. But a lot of adults have lost touch with that instinct of like, oh, that looks like fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas all kids are like looking at like, oh, that looks like fun. Like, I want to try that. What are they that. doing? Yeah. And I love, yeah, they're like just, you know, monkey see, monkey do. Yeah. I'm going to watch that person do that and I want to be able to do that. Yeah. Which is, yeah, I love the fact you, you do that. Yeah. And you just got to, you just got to cop, you know, it's going to be okay to cop some weird looks. It's like wearing Vibram shoes or, you know, mm. barefoot shoes. People are like, what are these clown shoes or what are these you know, finger shoes. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you got to be weird to be healthy I and like you got to be weird to have fun. And, and that's okay. And the beautiful thing is, I guess with social media now, especially mm. is you can find all those other weirdos who mm. like having fun. Like now we've yeah. been hosting move and play sessions in the park where we get beams and hackies and, awesome. um, you know, winding ropes. I don't, I don't know if you've seen me do the nah. swing around those ropes. I've nah. got some here. I'll show you after. Yeah. Awesome. Um, but the, you know, we get all these things to play with or a slack line yeah. and we get like 20 adults out there having a play and it's yeah, like... that's great. And then suddenly when there's 20 of you doing it, people are looking past like, oh, yeah. okay, maybe like, maybe it's not that weird. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> maybe maybe the, I want to try that. Yeah, yeah. The frown turns into like, oh, oh, yeah. interesting. But usually as well with that is kids will see that and they'll be like, can I go? And, like, they'll want to go and play. And yeah, then the adults yeah. will be like, oh, what, like, what's going on here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they let their kids play on a beam. I'm like, yeah, this is how you do it. Yeah. And then, like, show them the thing and the adults just sort of s- stand in the corner and watch and like, oh. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> what are all these strange humans? But so true, isn't it? Promoting, and that's almost, yeah, just promoting adult play. But to be fair, like, the beam is a perfect entry level for that isn't it because mm, mm. you know like anyone can step up onto it and and give it a go and anyone and we're all kids like who has not balanced on a log yeah in their lives like everyone has has just just been drawn to go and do that as yeah. like as a test of your you know your i guess your can I balance on this yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just like yes i can and i've conquered it you know like yeah. i'm i'm the the winner here um, but a, again, like a good story. And the reason that why we're talking about this is because I had a kid who came to see me with terrible knee pain and mm. terrible uh, shin pain. Mm. And on assessment, he had what I had seen as some of the worst tibial rotation. Uh, and for those of you who don't know what that is, um, 
it, it's essentially if I was to not let your knee move and I'm to grab your, I guess your whole ankle and, and turn it inwards and outwards, we should all have roughly about, oh, what is it, about 30 degrees of mm. motion there. And this poor kid had Zip. like <laughs> zero, zero going inwards, which means that he was always in a state of valgus with his mm. knee, always in knee collapse, always putting pressure on his knees, terrible with running. Uh, running pain and and cool kid and after feeling again this is a good like honestly I thought gee can I get this back manually so I tried tried my hardest with some manual techniques right then and there thinking can I can I help this uh, can I help this structure restore its natural movement with my hands the answer was no mm. I just couldn't do it doesn't matter how hard I tried I was almost going to break this guy's leg to try to <laughs> yeah. fix this I sent him I sent him away over summer and I said do you know what I want you to do? I want you to get on a skateboard and commit to skating. Um, he was had a holiday place for the whole summer, eight weeks, and I want him wanted him to master uh, like just turning, just doing mm. like calves, so going in and then out and around. And I said, whenever the surf's good, get get on your surfboard and go surfing and catch the waves like left and right, you know. So he's just going both ways. So his mum was in there and she's probably looking at me a bit funny, but I was like, I just want you to have fun. Don't worry about any of the other exercises that I've given you. Um, I want you just to to get out and and, and do that. And then lo and behold, comes back eight weeks later and I literally, my jaw dropped. His tibial rotation was significantly better. Now, it wasn't fixed. It wasn't perfect. But from how much I could get back with my hands compared to how much this helped, there is no question that helped astronomically. Mm. Then we could get on with some running mechanics and movement um, and strengthen up his legs with, with better alignment. But yeah, it's just a good story of how, yeah, how for him that was really important it's the power of play and we talk about this in the workshops and seminars obviously and and people forget people do think of play as like oh it's just a silly thing that kids do and Mm. um you know mind you there is there's a lot of understanding that it's so important for kids to do there's even play therapies Mm. and you know all of this stuff um but you know once you're an adult you just you don't play anymore Mm. um but it isn't just a silly thing because play is actually how we learn movement developmentally mm-hmm. and um, yeah, well, developmentally all throughout. It's, a, it's the best way for us to learn movement. Yeah. And it's also the, the intrinsically motivating force of moving is mm. you know, obviously either the survival, but we no longer have to survive, like move to survive. Mm. Essentially, we don't have to move to find food or escape predators. Exactly. So the only... Um, really intrinsic drive is play Mm. and it's again people like oh yeah played you know i want to have fun and so on but when you do start playing with movement especially in um situations like that like on a beam or on a skateboard or on a surfboard or just trusting your like the body is a self-organizing system it knows Mm. what it needs and if you give it movement and you give it in a way that challenges mobility stability coordination Mm. um, dexterity all of these things it self-organizes and figures out the best way to do it Mm. whereas you could have like you said you could have been you know riffing on his um tibia tibia rotation for eight weeks um or or might like Similarly, getting him to do like tibial rotation exercises sitting there. Yeah. First of all, that probably wouldn't be as effective. Second of all, he definitely wouldn't have done them. No, no. And he he wasn't doing (laughs) them. Yeah. Correct. Exactly. So, um, you know, people Mm. kind of inherently know that with kids, but 
It's the same with adults. You give adults boring exercises to yeah. do, they come back, oh, no, like I didn't do them. Mm. Whereas, you know, I think there's a role, like I, I always talk about, there's definitely a role for work and just, mm. you know, focused, you know, change, focused sort of challenge to change and adapt your body. Mm. Um, but it's like for it, like a good example I like to think of is that tibial rotation. Like mm. a, you see... Um, like FRC, for instance, is, mm. is the system that comes to mind and they do tibial rotation, um, like mobility work. Mm-hmm. And I think that's amazing. It makes a lot of sense because everyone sort of forgets about tibial rotation. They don't mm. even realize it's a movement of, of that um, joint. Mm. But I was on a beam and I'm like, my tibias are getting all, these rota- all this rotation. Yeah. yeah. I'm not having to sit there and... And do this exercise. Yeah, independent of anything else. Yeah, I think that's it's just so playing important. Playing on the beam. Yeah. And my tibia gets the rotation, and my hips are getting more stable, and my ankle, and it's and the whole system is integrating at once, and I get instant feedback if I don't move well enough. Yeah, because exactly. Because I just step off the beam. I have to fall off the beam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. And and it makes you think if we yeah if we were able to make changes in workplace environments if we're able to make um, changes in schools if we're able to make changes in um, I guess you know many many environments that we spend most of our time if we were able to wear clothes that would allow us to move and then we were you know promoted to have a go of something that is going to challenge us to fail I think is the most important thing Mm. because you know again this just goes back to when we were young well, the only way we learn is by falling over yeah. and getting back up and doing it again. But now we live in a society where we're very fearful of hurting ourselves. We're very fearful of, um, I guess, even you know, getting an insurance claim against us for whatever reason. And having an environment where there's no danger is not good for us. Yeah. Um, being able to, you know be forced to balance on a skateboard where if you move slightly the wrong way, you could get caught up and fall down and slide on concrete. It forces you to adapt. It forces you to make adaptations and changes to your body to survive. And I think the the beam does exactly that, Mm. um, which Mm. is so powerful. It does. It makes everything work to be on there. And uh, yeah, if, if if we were able to do that more often, uh, I think we would see vast improvements in the health of knees, ankles, and hips, especially sure. especially those three, and and the, and the, and the lower spine. Yeah, no question. And what you said there about integrating into schools, workplaces, and mm. so on. Again, traditionally, those um, those environments are so work focused like mm-hmm. we, you know we're academically in schools we've got to sit the kids down and teach them maths and english and you know get all of these academic points up um and at work similarly at work it's you know you're hitting targets and kpis so it's like we don't have time to play on beams mm. you know what do you mean like we don't have time for this we've got to work 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 yeah um and what is coming out a lot in the research lately and i think what a lot of um, forward-thinking workplaces and, and like progressive people especially like an example that comes to mind is google Mm. is they have an an environmentally enriched workspace Mm. that allows and actually encourages play and encourages meditation and encourages these activities that they know increase productivity yeah absolutely (laughs) because you could be working 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 and if you're not 
focused and productive and you if your brain isn't in that zone then mm. you're not going to get anywhere near as much done whereas yeah. you could have a much smaller amount of time for work but also include play and meditation and breathing and these things and suddenly you get twice the amount of work done and mm. you have fun during the day as well and you feel a lot healthier and better and so it's just going to take a while to catch on and for yeah. people to realize that that is actually what we need to do because like you said having those those errors, those, that trial and error, the, the sort of quote-unquote failures mm. is actually what stimulates neuroplasticity in the brain, mm. which allows us to learn and, and be more productive. Yeah, yeah. Learn, learn, we learn from our mistakes. Yeah. And I know there are some great examples of other schools in different countries, particularly um, Scandinavian countries, I believe, where their schooling systems, which have achieved some of the best results globally, uh, uh, they're only at school for perhaps maybe four four hours a day, and and in that time, I know a lot of it is again still movement based learning and yeah. movement based play and movement based problem solving. Yeah. So how can we use our bodies to learn how to solve a problem? Uh, that's how we were born to survive. But if we yeah, if we could incorporate that, that is just yeah, it's such a great way to help our brains function. Yeah. And I think was there was a um, Nobel Prize winner who's, um, he looked into brain function and health and he, his research uh, indicated that neck motion and neck movement helped to stimulate more than 90% of the brain. So yeah, we right. knew that, um, yeah, a, a healthy functioning neck uh, and Makes the sense. movements and motions of the neck helped our brains. Mm. And, you know, again, like sitting at a computer screen and seeing the the new look of our posture with forward head posture and very limited neck <laughs> movement is just not that healthy for us. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it is mind, it's mind boggling. I, I always, whenever I get the chance to talk to someone about it, I, I honestly think we'll look back in 50 years at schooling and the way we did schooling mm. in this era of like forcing kids to sit at a desk oh. and, you know, be quiet and work we'll look back at that like we're looking back at people mm. promoting cigarettes. Like, yeah. what the hell were we doing? Yeah, like, I, I it, couldn't it, agree more. Like, we... And we we kind of know intuitively that that's not what kids mm. should be doing. Like, mm. um, but it is it is just this culture of work, work, work. Make sure you do enough work. And once you've done six to eight hours of work at school, go home and do homework. Yeah. Sit down and do your homework. Sit down and have dinner. It's like... These kids aren't going to learn that way. And what about if we thought about it in reverse, right? You go to the end of your life and you're like, what's really important to me? Um, my, my health and my happiness, right? And yeah. family. Family, health, yeah. happiness um, would be some of the foundations you would want. So why do we prioritize learning um, maths, you know, the maths <laughs> times tables and statistics over learning how to move for the health of our body and our knee and you know hip joint and and, and how to connect with other humans through play <laughs> correct and just just having having fun and being happy yeah um yeah i, I couldn't agree more yeah, yeah with you a, on that one we're gonna look back on like there's there's various things just like we look back at um the way doctors promoted cigarettes back then it's like yeah. what the hell like yeah. How could that be? Um, we're going to look back at shoes, the way shoes were marketed that Definitely. way. We're going to look back at the way schooling was done, the way mm. workplaces were set up in offices with no natural light, no natural movement. Yeah. And it's just going to be like, 
these primitive humans, like these, yeah, <laughs> like and these ridiculous humans, like trying to work their way out of yeah um, these problems when really they they could be could have been enhancing their brain function through sleeping better, eating better, moving better, mm. um, connecting with each other. <laughs> and I think a top tip for anyone out there of like, how do I change? If I'm in an environment where I've got to sit for the majority of, of the day, and, and we're very fortunate if we don't have mm, to do that, yeah, like we, you and I, we, we, yeah. we don't have to do that. But for someone who's out there sitting down would be from the evidence and, and what I've looked at, if you stood up once every 15 minutes, you can have, that would make an enormous change to some of the health indicators uh, around sitting for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. So I, we know that if you sit for more than four to six hours a day, the chance of you dying from um, a, a cardiac-related problem um, or even from cancer increases significantly, so much so that the, the health of your heart um, becomes and irreversible damage and irreversible changes that, that happen to the heart. If we've been mm. sitting for more than four to six hours for a period of more than 15 years, I believe, don't quote me on that. Yeah. But yeah, if, if, if we were just to stand up once every uh, 15 minutes, it, it can change. So yeah, make those, <laughs> make those changes now yeah. and, and don't, don't let anyone tell you otherwise. <laughs> there's not, there's no workplace these days that can get away with saying, no, you have to sit because the, the evidence is unequivocal, un- yeah. un- whatever, <laughs> unequivocal. I'll um, go with that. Yeah, unequiv- <laughs> I don't unequivocal, want to say that. Unequivocal, yeah, unequivocal. That yeah. sitting is like sitting for long periods um, daily is extremely hazardous for your health. And you, there is no workplace that could enforce that. All Mm. you have to do is say, I need a standing desk. Um, You know, you maybe go to your doctor and give you a letter or your physio. Mm. It's very simple. Um, But yeah, having even just, you know, we don't want to just replace all day sitting with all day standing because that may come with um, different issues, especially if you are not ready for that, if your body's not ready for it. But at least a sit-stand desk and, you know, design your home environment. Yes, you might not be able to design your um, work environment perfectly, Mm. but design your home environment to be more ground-based and... um, just work with what you've got or change your job if exactly. you, if you have to. Maybe you and I, James, we can, we'll do some challenges on, uh, on the Instagram. <laughs> yeah. and, and even one I'm just thinking of is like, let's just see how long we can squat for. Because yeah. that's something people definitely don't do enough of is, is being in a sustained squat position as long as it's comfortable. Mm. But I reckon, yeah, maybe we'll, we'll challenge. We, we recently had a work work show and we all got down into the deep squat and, and stayed there for as long as we as oh. long as we could and it was the last man standing or last woman standing Savage. i should say um and it was it did then it came down to talia and i and we, oh. were, we were battling away <laughs> and i think that we'd had a few drinks by then so that helped with the confidence but i think i lasted 12 minutes which you know in hindsight like if i can only squat for 12 minutes but i can sit for 14 hours yeah. on an airplane cool. maybe that's still a little bit imbalanced yeah. yeah. I mean, we're all working against it. Like even those of us who are aware of this and have been moving, like mm. I've been around this movement culture concept, I suppose for, I don't know, eight years now or mm. something, but I'm still battling years of sedentarism of having a desk job at school mm-hmm. and at uni and like all of these things. Like it was a real wake up call when I was in physio and started, you know, reading Kelly Starrett and, mm. and following Ido Portal and all this stuff. Mm. And I realized like, I've been learning about the human body and, and physiology and anatomy 
And I've just been sitting here doing it. Like, I need to stop sitting so much. It was like such a light bulb. It's like, yeah. how is this not common knowledge? First of all, in a physio degree. Mm. And let alone, it should just be taught in primary school. The first thing is don't sit so much. And parents too. <laughs> but yeah. You know, like, yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's really hard. So this is like an interesting um, question I've got for you. Mm is now that you know what you know and I guess your um, like your daily life, what, h- how much exercise do you do? And I use exercise as in sets, reps, a particular one drill focused um, movement versus variety play, um, disorganized, varied up mm. movement. Like, like honestly, what what does it look like It'd for be, you now? To be honest, at the moment, it's like ninety ten. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Like um, Mac and I, uh, when we're in a, when we're like sort of at home, I suppose, like because we've been traveling around a bit lately. But mm-hmm. um, we'll do like a. What do we do? We do like we do a morning walk, which is more like play. It's not really we don't see it as exercise. It's just chats and walk along mm-hmm. the river. It's a really nice way to start the day. Um, then we come home and we do our we do our. Uh, you missed it because it was in the seminar only, but like mm-hmm. our circles, which is just joint circles of the whole body. Um, Love that. Kind of like an FRC, like a cars kind of concept, but not as mm. strict. Um, only because that sort of works for us. I don't. I think cars are good. Like if you want to do it more strict, mm-hmm. especially if you're. Um, I think especially if you've got certain areas of the body that really need mobilizing. But you want for to me, take it to another level too. Yeah, like, yeah. For me, like my body is very mobile from from years of moving. I suppose so. Mm. I can just sort of go through it quite fluidly, and I just I just want all my body parts to be moved basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll do like a, a strength session, mm-hmm. um, which would be, is like a very uh, it's like. Uh, cluster training where it's just like a five minute timer you have two exercises that you do every minute on the minute so it's like yeah, okay. five pull-ups and ten squats every mm-hmm. minute on the minute or something like that yeah right so a little bit of intensity a little bit of strength um and then the rest of it is either sitting on the ground mm-hmm. um going for more walks go, you know when my foot is yeah. in good shape uh it's you know going for an afternoon run um but mm-hmm. again the run is um i literally just play a playlist of music and mm. I run on the drop mm. and I, and I walk on the, um, like when it's a chill part of the song and then yeah. I run. And so it sort of keeps that variable. And you go um, for a certain amount of time or you just go for like with your, just how your body's just, feeling? Uh, like, cause it's along the river. So I have certain like milestones along, like, yeah. Oh, I'm going to do my 10 minute run, like a roughly 10 minute run, mm. which is up and down or like, mm. oh, I want to go longer 15, 20 minute. Yeah. Um, and, or we'll go and play hockey at the park. Like, yeah. And, um, otherwise it's just handstands, playing on beam, playing on indoor board, doing, you know, yeah, whatever. Nice. That being said, like I do have, I think that I love that the good part is with, like I talk about this in the workshop as well is work and play facilitate each other. So yeah. I've, I've worked to a, de- to a point and to a degree and done enough sets and reps of various things mm. that now I can play with movement mm. like that and I can maintain my pretty much my whole movement capacity yeah. just with play. Yeah. But if I wanted to work, like there are certain areas of my body now that I know, like my thoracic spine, mm-hmm. I want to be more mobile for mm. a number of different reasons. Um, it's an interesting story behind that thoracic spine as well. Yeah. Um, actually, you know, what? I might it. as well go into it yeah, now go, because go it, for it. it does lead into... 
um, the whole concept with what we're talking about here, and I th- I'm pretty sure I've talked about it on the podcast before, but um, interesting for you to hear about yeah. as well. But um, so with this uh, manual therapy job that I had, with this process that they have, um, this method, um, the whole body assessment. So I had a jujitsu injury, mm. um, like a shoulder injury, mm. and through this method, long story short, we found that um, like my thoracic, my T8, T7, 8 um, joint was heavily contributing to that shoulder she was like mm. what they would call the primary contributing factor right um and so releasing that completely eliminated all pain wow. and mobility issues in that shoulder yeah and so i was like that's pretty cool like cool and then but i will add that i ended up doing a lot of shoulder um like a lot of hanging a lot of handstands mm. a lot of shoulder mobility stuff after that um and fast forward i guess maybe a couple of years I'd been um, out of that job and also doing a lot more gym work and CrossFit work. And I ended up with a bilateral quadriceps tendinopathy, um, which was, I'm not going to say debilitating, like I could still get through my day, but I couldn't do anything that I wanted to do play wise. Mm. Um, Like I couldn't go down to the park and chuck a Frisbee. I couldn't go to the gym. I couldn't, um, I couldn't even squat down below 90 degrees without pain in my Mm. knees and, and. It was I like think a, a lot of people can relate to that too. Yeah. You know, like yeah. we're talking like th- this is what so many people would have a story similar perhaps to, to yeah. some of these things. Yeah. Some kind of condition that, yeah, mm. maybe you can still get through your day, but you're constantly reminded of like, I've got, like if I'd go up or I'm downstairs. Limited. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. I've got knee pain. Mm. Um, and I knew from, from experience that often a similar con- primary contributing factor or the same primary contributing factor could manifest as different, um, mm-hmm. manifest with different symptoms. Yeah. Um, and so I went back to the clinic cause I still had a good relationship with them and, awesome. and was like, Oh, I'm interested to see if releasing this thoracic joint makes any difference to my knees. Yeah. Um, and I also had an ankle impingement in my right ankle left over from, um, like multiple ankle sprains in soccer. Yeah. And, um, we re- basically long story short, we released that joint, completely eliminated all pain from my knees and the ankle impingement from from my ankle. Um, But caveat there is like, wow, that's amazing. So clearly the thoracic joint is linked in some way. But then if I would go and do something that was outside of my capacity, then the knee pain come back immediately. Gotcha. And it wasn't until I started working with someone um, to um, Kelly... um, in Brisbane at Perform Motion and we started looking at both breath. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> because my breath, I didn't yeah. realize I was extended. I was anterior tilted and I was extended through my thoracic, which was constantly mm-hmm. compressing compressing that joint yeah. and um, irritating that joint. So breath and core, I thought my mm-hmm. core was good. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh, mm-hmm. it wasn't. Yeah. And so breath, core, and then knees over toes training to actually strengthen the tendons. Load the tendons to load again. the tendons progressively. Mm-hmm. Took a good nine months, but then... Now I can do anything mm. I want with them. I can jump, I can sprint, I can, um, you know, do anything. Amazing. And um, I guess where I'm wrapping all that up into is mm. the power of work and to put mm. focused effort and progressive work mm-hmm. into strengthening a body part or strengthening your connection and awareness with your body mm. so that you can then play. Yeah. Um, and now I can maintain most of that with play. But I will say there's goals that I have now where I want to make it maybe increase the amount of work that I'm doing Mm. so that I can play even more. (laughs) Yeah. 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 No, well said. And and I think that's a great story. 
Yeah, to be honest, it's quite fascinating. It's great to be able to share that because a lot of people can then, I guess, see your true understanding of if I can work on my weakest link, and your weakest link was the middle of your back, not having good, I guess, range of motion to say like it it could it couldn't it couldn't move the way that it should move, but by unlocking that with your breath work and then. Um, obviously you would have perhaps done some movement through that part of your back and then returning to play by finding that area uh, to work on has been the key for you. And I think like what what we do is we want to find that area for people. Mm, Like mm. people just don't know. People have had their sore shoulder or, or knee worked on for years and it's not changing it's not changing dramatically like what you said but um yeah if we can find that weak core strength that someone might have and be able to help them uh on a journey to restoring that core strength is is, is our mission yeah really. and then yeah. integrating that with the functions that they like the normal like natural functions of the body and also the mm-hmm. functions that they want to do because it's you know if you just address the core on the table yeah, you, know, you might get a strong core on the table, but you don't know how to integrate that with something else. Exactly. And, and I think that's like that's a big key. And, and also for me understanding, yes, I need my thoracic spine and my breath and my core to be on point, but I also do need to load these tendons. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. And, and integrate it all at the same time. And yeah, exactly. that was what made the biggest difference. So I'm, I'm always grateful for that experience. At the time, mm. it was very um, frustrating and depressing because mm. I, I was like, because when you can't play, when you can't move, when you can't mm. do the things you want to do, it is mm. so depressing. Mm. Um, I don't know if you've experienced like chronic mm. pain like that yourself, but it. I think my yeah my, my journey. I've been pretty fortunate. I won't dive into it yet. I think it's important to address what we're saying. Um, yeah. Is that how much it affects the mind mm. when you're limited in your capacity? Uh, you know, you're a good example, but for other people who've been having that for years on years, God, how much can that wear a human down? Yeah. Massively. Huge. And you look at, you know, I guess our mental health, uh, you know, mental health in our, in our culture, in our country is a massive problem. Um, And also our movement health is huge. We're paying more on musculoskeletal related health problems than than cancer because mm. you know it's such a wide um, network of problems related to our human body um, physically and that ties in so much with the the mental health part which again how much of that is limiting our ability to play and have fun with our body yeah not feeling scared frightened um it's so huge yeah. it's so huge and also i guess acknowledging that there really is no separation between our movement health and our mental health. Like mm. our mental health will affect our movement health mm-hmm. and vice versa. And there's so much research that shows that more movement, like exercise, like everyone sort of refers to exercise, but movement. Mm. Or being in nature. Or I being mean, in nature, but yeah. Why don't you link those two together? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, so. Time spent in nature is really good for, you know, all these patterns of stress and mm. physiology and everything in our body. And movement is really good for these things too. And yet, it's very strange to mm. see people out moving in nature, you know, mm. climbing a tree or, you know, doing it unless they're kids. Yeah. <laughs> and even yeah, if they're kids, exactly. it's like, oh, get down from there. It's dangerous. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And so, yeah, the, I mean, mm. the, you're right. The, it is so, it's just so key for 
we can't ignore, we can't pretend that they're two different things and mm-hmm. try to treat movement, movement health just from a musculoskeletal point of view and yeah. treat um, mental health just from a psychological cool. point of view that yeah. needs to be integrated. Um, yeah, and add sleep and nutrition all yeah. together for the cocktail. Yeah. But f- yes, for, for me, like I would say for sure, I've been really fortunate with my, my journey of injuries and health. I came from um, having two older brothers, which would beat me up all the time. (laughs) We would wrestle like we would wrestle so much. Um, And me being the smallest one, I would get dominated um, pretty well all the time. We would skate. We would um, play basketball, cricket, soccer, football, throw the frisbee, um, you know, pick up as many different challenges that the, I guess, environment would throw, throw at us. And we were very competitive and I think that has, I've been fortunate that that has given me a pretty good grounding of um, having reasonable natural movement. Mm. The one that stands out for me is um, not being able to play uh, Sapsaza cricket because of back pain. Oh. Uh, that's the one that, that really um, got to me and, and just that feeling of, I, I want to play in this competition so bad, but when I go out and bowl, my back seizes up and I yeah. physically can't do it. Yeah. And um, yeah, that was, that was really hard again, like mentally, like I still remember those times. Also at the time, I remember going to the physio and having interferential put on my back and, mm. and the electrodes and mm-hmm. actually thinking that was the greatest thing ever. That's what inspired me to be a physio because <laughs> he was such a legend um, of, of a bloke. But yeah, and, and for me now, I, I look at, yeah, I do look at movement far more play than exercise. I think you, you summed it up. You're like 90, 10. Yeah. I would be probably maybe even like even 95. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Five. I, um, I find it really difficult and really challenging to go to and be in an environment to hit sets and reps. Yeah. Mentally, the numbers uh, and that challenge for me doesn't, doesn't give me the thrill of what I guess sport and other mm. other challenges would elsewhere. Uh, being I guess again fortunate in work, like just trying different movements all the time. And now I've got I've got a little well, I got two little tackers, but I got one that's three. Yeah, and I just wrestle with him Perfect. all the time, and I try and mimic what he does, and we just try and you know like do little movement challenges with, with each other. And and for me, that's where I'm honestly getting basically all of my movement so good. the only other movement that i'm doing is is the motum classes that we're that we're running at at the at the clinic um but yeah that's that's kind of kind of it for me yeah yeah it's i mean it is it is amazing that because really yeah like we said play is the way that we would get all those movement nutrients mm-hmm. unless it's survival in a natural environment. So mm. we don't have to survive anymore. I think that's pretty cool in a lot of ways that we don't have to always hunt and escape predators and whatever. Mm. Um, it's cool that we can just live like that, but we do have to really respect the body's needs and, and play. And sets and reps is really not... That's a, such a new concept. Mm. And timing things and all of these things, like it does quantify can quantifiably make you a better athlete of course and that's why it exists but for the average person Mm. you shouldn't have to worry so much about sets and reps just get down play explore and get creative and and i like that even in the sense like i remember i've been talking with a um with a client 
and he, he his goal was for me to help him build his gym program that he's currently doing and help modify it. And I must admit, it's pretty hard in an, in a gym environment to change mm. dramatically into a play environment, yeah, right? It's absolutely. not going to happen. Yeah. So I went I went pretty outrageous, James. I, I said, I'm going to go for um, just changing up the weight from one hand to the other and make you do an exercise on one leg. Yeah. And that was just enough for, it, for to completely throw his center of balance, wow. to completely, you know, like, whoa, I, I, I can't have four kilos in one hand and 12 in the other and do a lunge <laughs> and then swap it over and balance that out. Like, what are you trying to do to me? And <laughs> trying to kill me, bro? It's like, be, yeah, correct. Like, be, be dynamic. And, and um, yeah, I, I think, you know, again, for like listeners, out there again if it's hard and you love going to the gym keep keep going but uh change up what you're doing if you're hanging from a bar go wide hands close hands one overhand one on underhand maybe Mm. pull up with your legs and then maybe pull up from your shoulders try and keep your arms straight try not to bend your elbows one like through a lift play on it hang hold yourself up and then bend your body forwards and backwards and move your legs to the left and to the right and just change the variables change (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> and, and understand that there's no one right way to do something. Gym mm. gym stuff is so technique focused, and again, that comes from athletic performance and and all that stuff. Like there is a role for specific techniques in certain movements, but it's so important to understand that it's not. Mm. That doesn't mean that everything else is bad. It's just different ways of exploring your body's movement and yeah and figuring out where you're limited or where you're uncomfortable and then mm. work into that, work into the discomfort. And and it, like think about it as well, just in our culture, we've got a way to measure the success of the fittest person on earth, CrossFit Games. And don't yeah. get me wrong, I, I love watching CrossFit <laughs> yeah. Games. It's probably one of the most entertaining things to watch. It's, it's amazing and credit to everyone doing it. But for, for society, if, if that is our measure for being fit and healthy then you know you throw someone like Roy Gold or Ido Portal or a, a different mover into that environment there is no way they're going to succeed but in in a health outcome um, a natural mover is someone who is going to have the health benefits mm. perhaps over the fittest man alive oh, absolutely so I think maybe society doesn't know that yeah. but we know that yeah. and it's nice to maybe share yeah I guess yeah, share we, that thought. There, there again, it comes back to that culture of of um, glorifying big muscles, really robust engines, and like mm. just people just just being super fit, like triathletes. It's like, oh, he's so healthy as a triathlete, but yeah. there's triathletes that drop dead at fifty and like from a heart attack and stuff. It's like, yeah, correct. It's so much more about your overall movement variability and and mm. nutrition than it is about. Sp- singular performance in one aspect or even a, even multiple aspects of yeah. fitness it's it's um yeah it's a whole i mean that's a whole another conversation in itself and i think i think mm. you and i will definitely have to have a follow-up <laughs> podcast yeah, yeah sounds good we, we are coming up on time and i just yeah. wanted you to chat through i guess the vision with what you're doing with the motor movement which you mm-hmm. just mentioned before and and um physio smart and anything else that's coming up for you guys um and like all the where to find your kind yeah. of stuff as yeah yeah well. cool uh so we um, have launched just last month uh, at what we've called our Motum Movement Program or our Motum Classes. Mm-hmm. Motum is just Latin. It represents mobility um, and movement. And for us, we, again, we could not 
we couldn't structure a, 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 a clinical Pilates exercise classes um, in our clinic because it just didn't fit with our values. Yeah. So we went back to the drawing board and we looked at uh, movement classes which adopted our philosophy of movement. And we have created two groups. We've created essentially a beginner, which we've called Foundations to Movement. Uh, and then we've created a more advanced movement uh, group of classes, which is called Movement 1.0. We would love to create a third one, uh, which would then extend even a bit a bit more than that. 2.0. 2.0, yeah. <laughs> uh, which I've got to work on myself before I get there. But the thought is that we cover the body head to toe. So mm-hmm. if you do these classes within, well, yes, within a class, you are going to move every single part of your body um, from head to toe. Mm-hmm. And each class has a different focus. So within, within a month, um, if you were to attend one class a week, you are going to have a very well-grounded focus from working on your uh, natural squat pattern to balance and hip control to uh, your spinal health of the thoracic spine, um, lumbar spine. You're going to work on your core strength uh, in many variations. And we, with the pure objective and the outcome that we want for people is to move better. And the way that we've measured it is that everyone who comes into the program will be screened and we will assess their movement. And we have have eight categories of movement, which we've adopted from some tests like similar to the FMS or the Y balance um, and our clinical own clinical tests. And we can score your movement. So we, uh, we, we do that for everyone. And from there, we want to take people on a movement journey Mm. and we want movement to be at the focus of what people are trying to achieve as their outcome rather than just aesthetics or looking good, rather than only building a strong core, rather than only getting good at squat patterns. We want people to have a well-rounded foundation of uh, and a good balance of all movements. Uh, and because it's only just started, we're really excited of taking people on this journey and being able to check in three to four months later and say, how has your squat pattern changed? How has your, you know, your flexion or your bending and arching backwards? What are those, what's happened to those movement patterns since, yeah, since starting these, these classes? So what do they look like? The, these, we take natural movements from the ground and we work them up into standing. Yeah. So we do lots of rolling. We do, yeah, we do some crawling. Um, we, yeah, we like to do some unstructured variants to some movements uh, and things that we love doing ourselves. So, so good. Yeah, Dude, it's fun. Isn't that, <laughs> that, is, that is so good. And there, there is a lot of power. Like definitely there's a role for the one-on-one work with people but there's from my experience and and my understanding of everything there's so much power in moving in a group and mm. having people um work together and play together on something and and I've seen it myself with um like the workshops and seminars I run like people just connect more dots and they have more fun and they I think they take in more when it's this group experience of something that's novel and and fun (laughs) and i think that is so powerful to include as part of your practice yeah and not to necessarily have to i think traditionally physios like they do their thing the one-on-one and then they like refer out for exercise Mm. but to have such a movement focused physio approach and also to be able to say we've got movement classes now Mm. 
That's like such a good, it ties in so well. Yeah, it's it does. Super exciting. Yeah, no, we are. We're, we're, yeah, we're very, very stoked. So, um, yeah, I think, yeah. Is there like plans to expand that or? Um, we want to get it right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like, don't get me wrong, the mind and what we've created so far, I think the framework could be, yes, like the, the model could, could grow and expand. But for example, I mean, we took a pilot study through of um, nearly 60 people put their hand up to be like, yeah, right. you yeah. use me, test me. Um, and then That's through so that, good you got that many people. Yeah, it was crazy. We just sent out a little post saying we've got some um, free classes and would you be keen? Mm. And we had like 140 people um, reach out and want to be involved. So we, we um, no, we're pretty, we are very strong about getting it right. And that means we need to cater for all levels of movement mm. uh and we, we i guess before we expand we're internally gonna um look after everyone who comes into the program it's our mission to help them mm. and through that we know we're going to learn more and more because i guess the class environment is different to what we we are doing clinically so i know that yeah we've got some more to learn um in that space to get it exactly where we want to get it yeah um yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Love it. Well, I'm very excited to hear how it all goes. So, is there the results of the pilot study are still incoming? Um, uh, well, no. For us, we've we've yeah, it's it's completed. We've yeah, done. Right. So we Promising. had yeah, yeah, absolutely. We from there we find like tuned the screening process. So our screening process is dialed in. Yeah. Um, we also from that we've like we've catered from people who are sixty even 60 to 60 plus years of age all the way down to you know people who are 15 16 years old in sport um we've yeah we've we can find a place for people uh and i guess movement doesn't really discriminate so and we've had some people already get some pretty big wins on the board um with respect to their movement score Mm. and we, we grade it um, we, we, we don't mind the grading system. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we've had people level up uh, and already starting to see some really good results with Epic. it. And that's all, you know, that's all movement-based. That's not hands-on yeah. therapy. Yeah. So, Yeah, you're right. Movement doesn't discriminate. Whether it's, um, you know, whether it's a 20-year-old or an 80-year-old, they need to learn how to move on the ground. They need to learn how to balance better. They need to get, mm. you know just better mobility in each of their joints, a deep squat, like all of these things. It's the same thing for every human. Yeah. Um, but it's just meeting them, meeting people at where they're at and their level. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, and that's great. I think the biggest challenge will be creating the culture around movement. Like yeah. what you said, it's a little bit, you know, there's a, there's a culture for yoga. There's a culture for Pilates. There's yeah. a culture for CrossFit. Uh, we want to create a culture for movement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's getting there. It's but we've still got a lot of work yeah. to do, don't we? But just just like good. just like the culture with feet and footwear. It's like mm. you feel like you're getting there, and then you go for a walk, and it's like yeah. everyone is in just rigid, narrow, yeah. cushioned <laughs> shoes. You're I like, know. Yeah, I've got a, we've got a lot of work to do still, but yeah. it's exciting. It's it's um, you know, it does feel like it just feels really good to be a part of that mission mm. because. It's just so clearly important for human health and and, and environmental health, which is a whole nother rabbit hole. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah, correct. But yeah, so we'll we'll wrap it up there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, we'll we'll include it all in the show notes as well. But mm. PhysioSmart underscore yeah. SA is the is the Instagram. Is that the best place yeah, to connect? Yeah, look, and, find us definitely on Instagram. Yeah, uh, that's just we just want to share a lot of our content as much as we've got. We 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 just love sharing. So yeah. that's where you're going to get. Lots of different exposure to what we do. 
Um, and there's also motum.movement uh, right. on, yeah. on Instagram, which honestly hasn't really started yet um, because we've just started, but that's going to come out with some more content about the, the classes. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, go find us on our website physiosmart.com.au yeah. that's got all the information about the classes and um yeah how to find us and awesome yeah. yeah yeah so definitely i mean your social game is so good i'm always inspired oh, cool. by the socials uh social stuff that you put out it's talia that manages it mostly it hey yeah talia and, and imogen and imogen okay yeah, yeah. but talia's yeah. done it for the last three years and her um she's just an absolute legend yeah. and she is i'm we're so lucky to have her on board because she's just uh, as dedicated and devoted as anyone to the cause. So yeah. yeah, the work she puts in and the way she's been able to educate people through social media has, has been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's great. It's really good to see. And, um, you know, you and I will have to do a follow up, but I'd also love yeah. to get a podcast with Talia next time we're down as well. Cause Lock I'm sure, it in. Cause yeah, she, I know she's gone through her own movement journey and, mm-hmm. and, and still going through it and, and everything. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, well, looking forward to connecting well, gone for well over an hour now, but, um, <laughs> that, that's all good. But, um, We'll be back in Adelaide pro- probably great. next year, early next year, and we'll, we'll and just go a quick again. quick thank you, mate, because oh. having you guys down was was brilliant. And if anyone hasn't attended to the workshops, I'd highly recommend. Oh. Talia could not stop talking about <laughs> it. Uh, and for us, you know, look, getting us in barefoot shoes, we've got beams throughout the clinic. We're getting our patients on the beams. Uh, you've created the change and, and a, definitely a cultural shift for us uh, and for a lot of that, lot of our clients. So please keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> Will do. Uh, I really appreciate that. That it's exactly what we want to do is that cultural shift. So um, yeah, we'll we'll keep cracking. Cheers. And, and I appreciate the support. Awesome. All right. Thanks, guys.